0: Good morning, Parkway Church, Parkway Victoria, and Parkway uh, Online. Everybody on vacation right now watching online. Glad you guys are with us. Uh, like Mike said, if this is your first time here or you've been gone for a little while, we're in the middle of a series called Vacation Mode. And what we're talking about is, man, we're on vacation. Sometimes it's easier to find peace than it is in our day-to-day lives. You know, sometimes it's easier to love people on vacation than our day-to-day lives because everything's going right. Like everybody has their favorite vacation spot, whether it's in the mountains or whether it's on the beach, out on a boat or going on a cruise. Mine's on a cruise, as my family always does. As I'm sailing away from the coast, I know the Internet's about to die and my phone is going to be unreachable. And it is awesome, right? I love that feeling. I I am disconnected completely, right? I, I love that feeling. And as we think of our times on vacation, sometimes we think like, there are certain emotions and feeling and a sense of calm and peace and hope that we have on vacation that we can never get in our day-to-day lives. But the good news of Scripture is that some of those senses of hope and peace and love are not just something that is sealed up in a destination where we go to once a year. It's a, it's a lifestyle that we can live out. And as we talk about one of those hope specifically today, I want us to turn to Colossians chapter one. You can get a head start on there. Then you have to thumb through there really quick. You can follow around along on our Parkway app. As we talk about hope, not just hope, but actually having hope in all situations. We talk about the early church. They had hope in all situations, and Paul told them to have hope in all situations, even when things weren't going well. Like the early church were persecuted oftentimes. Yet he told them to have hope in the midst of sometimes seemingly hopeless situations, like they weren't living a constant vacation. They had very real problems. And I think part of what gets in our way of understanding that is the way that we commonly use the word hope. Like sometimes we mean, I hope this works out all right. And sometimes we mean, I'm placing my hope in this. Like, for example, my family growing up, we always went to Colorado right? You, you wake up in the Rockies, it's like 50 degrees in the morning. It is awesome, right? That's where we always went. But getting there, you have to drive through a barren wasteland, all right? Like you have to go through West Texas, then get to New Mexico where it's desert and there is nothing around. Anybody ever driven through that part of the country, right? Well, we are driving through the southern part of New Mexico where nobody is around. And my dad my dad says, uh-oh. <laughs> we said, what do you mean, uh-oh? He said, uh, check the uh, low gas light is coming on. It says, we got 34 miles until this thing is bone dry. And we went, uh-oh, okay. <laughs> and um, since I still count for Young Pastor Sunday, my mom checked the Garmin, all right? And so that kind of dates me. I'm not quite like Google Maps age, but I'm not quite actually checked the real map. I'm somewhere in between, okay? So my mom checked the Garmin and she punched in nearest um, gas station. <laughs> it said 37 miles away. I was like, that's, that's not good. All right, that's not working out. And my dad had the infamous one liner that he says all the time whenever we're in a bad situation, he said, I hope this works out all right. Except he didn't say that way. He said in his like, I'm kind of North Texas accent, oh, I hope this works out all right. And um, it didn't really in, instill confidence in us because me as a 10 year old, I was looking out into the barren wasteland. And uh, if you ever driven this part of the country, you ever notice like there's a house every like 30 minutes? Anybody ever noticed that? You ever looked out the window and go, I wonder who lives there? Well, that's what I was doing at that moment. And my conclusion was the only reason why somebody would want to live in the middle of nowhere, where people get stranded at random times, is because they're an axe murderer. And I was like, we ain't. We ain't pulling over here because I'm not knocking on that door. My brother's knocking. I'm not knocking on it. And so we all start like collectively like leaning forward in the Tahoe. You know, like that's going to get us there. Act of solidarity. We, we, we are getting there and the engines start to make all these noises. And I tell, I'm not kidding you. We straight up coasted into the gas station. All right. My dad gets out and I'm getting out and use the restroom. And I, I walk by and my dad opens up the gas Uh, lid there and it just goes (sighs) like it was dying you know and I kid you not he looked at me he said I told you we'd make it (laughs) like like he had all the confidence in the world about it and that's good and fine in our day to day lives but here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine what does it look like. It's fine to do that with your families, you know, because sometimes we have no control over what's going on. But sometimes though we can use that way saying, I hope this works out all right. We use that word hope, but we use it in our walk with the Lord. Like when we talk about biblical hope, that's not the hope we're talking about. Like sometimes we can say, man, I hope and I hope in the Lord, but what we're really doing is we're praying with like our fingers crossed. Like God, I'm placing my hope in you, but it's this shaky hope that we're not really that confident in. What I want to talk about today is a hope, a biblical hope that we have in the Lord. It's not, man, I hope this works out all right. It is a, a rock-solid hope because it's a hope found in Christ. That's what I want to look at today. So let's jump right into it, into Colossians. Um, Colossians, as Mike has talked about before, it has a very high view of Jesus. And so when when Paul talks about the hope we have in the Lord, it's rooted, not in I hope this works out all right, but actually in who. Christ says He is and what He has done for us. Check it out. Colossians 1, verse 21, it says this. He said, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, a.k.a. you all had sin in your life. I did as well. Mankind was separated from God because of their sin. Verse 22, But, so good this is here, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sights, without blemish and free from accusation. We were dead in our sin. We were actually separated from God. We were even enemies of God. But because of what Christ did, we walked before the Lord without blemish to being declared a child of God. That's an amazing miracle. Sometimes we, we think, man, I wish miracles happened every day. If you Know the Lord and you believed in Jesus Christ and miracles happen in your life because you're once eternally separated from God and now you have eternity with Him because what Christ did for you, you are left blameless and without blemish before the Lord. And that is amazing. But it doesn't stop there. He keeps on going. Verse, 20, verse 23, If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, there is a gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, in which I, Paul, have become a servant. I think sometimes we feel hopeless because we have absolutely no control, right? Anybody in here, like you're a little bit of a control freak, like you're gonna hold your hand up like this right now, and be like, Yeah, a little bit, yeah, right. Like we we feel hopeless because we, we don't feel like we have any control and things are spinning out of control, because quite frankly, they are, right? If we're being honest, they are. But the good news that Paul is talking about here is that we have the hope of salvation. And I really kind of first fill in the blank there. We have the hope of salvation. And the hope of salvation is something that I want you to hear this. It can never be taken away from us. The hope of salvation is that Jesus Christ was the one and only Son of God. He came to earth, lived the sinless life that we can never live, paid the penalty for our sins that we could never pay that debt, and if we believe in him, that key word, we believe in him, we have the hope of salvation. And once you hear this, Parkway Church, nothing and no one can take that from you, ever. That's why Paul could say these words when he was in prison. That's why he could tell this church is being persecuted. You have the hope of the Lord, because guess what? The Roman Empire and the local authorities, they could not touch that hope of salvation. It's not something that we just go, I hope this works out or right. No, know that's a rock solid hope. And I want you to hear this. If you listen to culture, the culture has this idea that if you live a good life and one day you'll get to heaven, there's like kind of cosmic scales. If you live a good life, there's more good stuff than bad stuff and it'll work out all right. How does that end up looking like in our lives? Well, you know the Lord one day, I do hope works out all right. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that only Christ could pay for our sin. If we believe in Him, we have the hope of salvation that nothing and no one can take away. Some days... Maybe you wake up and you say, you know what, I don't, I don't feel the hope of salvation. I want to encourage you with this. Your feelings don't determine the hope of salvation. And it's a good thing, because our feelings are all over the place, aren't they, right? It's a roller coaster ride. Our feelings don't determine the hope of salvation. Who Christ says we are in Him determines that. And nothing and no one can take that from us. Now, that is good news for us. Nothing can take that from us. Nothing can take that from us ever. No one and nothing. But it doesn't stop there. Look where Paul goes next in verse 24. He says this, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction, for the sake of his body, which is the church, because its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you to the word of God in its fullness the mystery that has been kept for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. Look what he says in verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, those who didn't know Christ at that time, those who didn't know very much of an Old Testament background, make known to all people the glorious riches of this mystery, which is in Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. He say, look at this time... The people had been waiting for generations, literally hundreds of years, for the Messiah to come. And the Messiah had finally come. It wasn't the Messiah they thought they would actually have. It wasn't this political Messiah. It was a far better Messiah that promised an eternity and a hope that couldn't be changed. And he said "The Christ has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is in Christ you, the hope of glory. You see, if you walked in here today And you have the hope of salvation. You know the Lord. You've believed in Him. You've received the greatest gift anyone could have ever received. Ever. Bar none. And that hope we walk around with. But here's the thing. If you have that hope, that hope of salvation is the same hope that sends out. We have a hope that sends us out. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the greatest present you were ever given, right? Right? I not you remember when you are a kid and you got like the greatest present you ever had, Red Ryder BB gun, you know, you want to show it all your friends, you know. Like if you're old enough, you could take that out wherever you wanted to, right? I remember what reminds me of this, when I was a kid, um, my dad, he got a Bible from us as, as kids. And really, I was too young to actually have any money to give towards it, and so I was the youngest, And so my mom just signed my name on the Bible as it was from me. I really didn't participate, but hey, my dad loved it. And it was from his kids. And so he walked around all the time. He walked around church next Sunday, that New Year's going, hey, look, this is the Bible my kids gave me. He was so proud of it because it meant something to him. You ever had a gift like that before? It just meant something so special to you. The idea is this. Our hope of salvation is too great of a gift to keep to ourselves. It's meant to send us out. If you have the hope that can't be touched and the hope that changes eternity, that's a hope that you can't keep yourself. You have to share it. Now, because we live in um, America, and I love America, but we live in kind of Western civilization in America in 2019, the instant reaction to that is, well, I can't push my religion on other people. I can't overshare that. You know, that's something personal. I'm invading their privacy there. I can't share that with them. Here's my response to that. And it's a little bit of a soapbox. Okay, do you mind if I get out a soapbox for a little bit? All right, you didn't say no, so I'm going to do it anyway. All right, um, you missed your opportunity there. Our culture overshares everything. Amen? Amen, there we go. And solidarity, yes and amen, right? And this goes throughout all generations, right? If you're more of the Facebook generation, this is the main culprit of it, right? People just share everything. Good, bad, or indifferent. You didn't ask them to. They're going to. They had a bad day at work. They're sharing it, right? They're a relative, they're sharing it. They're going through a breakup. They're definitely sharing that, and it's going to get a little bit messy there. Like We overshare everything, right? I have a political view. The world must know, right? It will be incomplete if I do not share every single political thought that runs through my head. What will the world do without that? I don't know. So I'm going to share it all, right? And millennials, we're not, we're not exempt from this. Um, ours is more strange. We feel like if we're eating a meal on a scale of 1 to 10, and it's a 5 and above, the world is incomplete if they don't see it. It is. It is. Isn't it doesn't have to be great. It has to be like mediocre to slightly better than mediocre. That's going on Instagram, right? The world must know, right? Especially if we made it and we're really proud of it. (laughs) Something about like mediocre food on Instagram looks gross. I don't know why. But we feel like we have to share everything, right? That's the world we live in. My question is this. If we overshare so much, that's not necessarily a healthy thing. But why do we get so hung up about sharing the one thing that the world desperately needs? If we overshare all this, why do we get so hung up about saying, no, I can't push this out? No, this is the one thing that the world desperately needs. The coworker that's running through your mind right now that you know does not know Christ, it's what they desperately need. Your family member, your friends, maybe even your spouse, it's what they desperately need. It's a hope that sends us out and it's something that we cannot keep to ourselves. And I think if we've actually embraced that a little bit, we know that's not always easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not nerve-wracking. I'm not saying right now as you're thinking of, you're not breaking out in like a cold sweat just thinking about it. What I'm saying is what we're called to. We're not called to what is easy. We're called to what's difficult because here's the thing. The good news of the gospel is worthy of us going out and sharing the good news of the gospel even when it's not easy. I think Paul knew that. That's why he said this to the church in Thessalonica. He says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll be there for a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says this. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it may not be easy, but here's the thing. Because we have a relationship with Christ, it gives us endurance to run the race, even when it's not easy. It gives us that endurance. Now, some of you guys may say, but you don't know what I'm going through. And you're right, maybe I don't. You say, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm going through truly a hopeless situation. I think there's two different people in this world, like those who see the glass half full, and then there's the rest of us. All right, I am kind of with the rest of us. Like I am sometimes a pessimist to my own fault, um, and, and we we have these two different people. Like man, it's half full. No, it's half empty. Some of you guys walked in here. Says I don't care who you are, it's empty, right? Like you walked in here and you're legitimately going through a difficult time. Maybe it's been just this week has been difficult. Maybe it's a difficult time at work. Maybe this entire year has been difficult. Maybe there's some medical things going on. Maybe there's just. Your life is in crisis. And you say, how do I have hope in the Lord when the situation I am in is hopeless? Some of us walked in here like that today. If not, at some point in our lives, we'll walk through a season like that. It's the nature of the beast of living here on planet Earth. And I think Isaiah's words to the nation of Judah are so important here. Because here's the thing. The prophets in the Old Testament were not always the bearers of good news. In fact, Isaiah was warning Judah. He was saying, "Look, you have lived in sin and rebellion for years." And PS, you're not necessarily in a hopeless situation because of your sin. So that's one area this is different. But track with me here. He was telling them, "Hey, look, you are about to go through a very difficult time because of your sin and rebellion." The nation of Babylon, the, the most powerful empire at that time or soon to be, is going to come in and it's going to take you out of your homeland and he is, there you are going to go off into exile for 70 years. You're going to lose your livelihood, so much of your property, possibly some loved ones, but you'll be humbled in exile. That does not sound like fun, does it? <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a very hopeful situation, but that's why God told Isaiah in the midst of that very difficult message to say this. In the midst of that hopelessness, he said this, verse 29 in Isaiah chapter 40. He said, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Verse 31, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What Isaiah was talking about there is that in those difficult times, those hopeless situations, that is actually our time that hope is renewed. That's when, time, when hope is renewed because we find out that what we truly have no matter what is Christ with us. If we were to go around the room today, many of us say the time we grew in our faith the most wasn't when times were going good, it was when times were hopeless is when things were difficult, we actually leaned in, and that's when we learned how to trust God the most. Here's the key. In order for hope to be renewed, we actually have to lean in to our walk with Christ. And I want you to tell you this. Listen into to this. You will not necessarily do that by default. In fact, I found as I've been counseling students, college students, parents alike, is that when crisis hits, our default is to run, isn't it? In fact, I've noticed it so much as a pattern when I'm I'm counseling a student, college student, parent through a difficult time. (laughs) I remember the first time I told them this. I said, hey, look, my first advice for you right now is don't run. And I remember the first person I ever told this to, they had a look on their face like, should I run right now? Like they took me super literally in that moment and they're like, should I be running right now? No, stay here. It's metaphorical. (laughs) (laughs) Metaphor. Don't run, actually. I swear, swear, this isn't going to be bad. What I was meaning by that is we oftentimes, we run from two things. We run from God in hopeless situations, and we run from Christian community when that's the two things we need the most. It's like we're scared in that moment because it's hopeless, and so we just want to run to the most isolated place we can find. And the issue is when we do that, we cut ourselves off from God, and we cut ourselves off from community that draws us back to Christ. And so my encouragement to you is this. If you find yourself and you're in a hopeless situation, fight against your default tendency to run and actually lean into God in this moment. Lean into Him. Lean into community here that will actually help you lean into Christ. Because when you draw closer to Christ in that moment, you renew the hope that you have. Christ never left. God never ran. We are always the one who run away like the prodigal son. The question is we turn around and lean in to him in that moment. It's not always easy, but it's what's necessary. It's what we need. And it's what grows our faith the most. And last but not least it's this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it finishes off with this. Paul was giving some instruction to the church in Thessalonica because they had questions about eternity. They're a little bit unclear about that. He says this in verse 13. He says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. It's a famous passage oftentimes quoted at funerals, but what it gives us is the hope of all eternity. It's that if we know Christ Our eternity is no longer in question. It's not. We have the hope of all of eternity. Is that one day, when I'm no longer here, I'll be spending eternity with my Lord and Savior. And we have that same hope. Yeah, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the next month holds. I don't know what the next year holds. But I know what my eternity holds. That's not in question. My eternity is sealed in Christ, and yours can be too. And that gives us a hope. Now, let me clarify something. That doesn't mean we walk through all of life with just this painted on smile. Like, everything is fine. It's not. What that means is that even when we're in difficult times, and it shows, we are never hopeless. We are never without hope, because there is hope that we have that the world can't touch, that situations can't touch. We have the hope of salvation that gives us the hope of all of eternity. And God has never left us in the midst of it. That's a hope that we have. That I want us to cling to. That's not, I hope this works out all right. That's a hope. Even if this doesn't work out all right, I still have hope. That's the beauty of our faith, is even if the situations don't work out all right, our hope in Christ can never be touched. And that's the beauty of our faith. And so I want to encourage you guys today, maybe for some of you guys, your first step is to believe in Christ for the first time today. Maybe it's to find that hope in Christ, to believe in Him for the first time, that He, Jesus Christ, truly was the Son of God, that He really did die for your sin, for my sin as well, and that you're going to believe in Him today. I pray that you would make that step out in faith, and if you do, do not keep that a secret. Don't keep the newfound hope you have a secret. But for those of us today, Maybe we need to understand that we have the hope of the world and it cannot be kept secret. And still for others, you're going through a really dark time and you need to just hold on to the hope you have in Christ in a really special way in the next couple of minutes to worship Him even in the midst of crisis. Like Job saying, even when there's a crisis, I will still worship you because I have the hope that only Christ can give. So I want to pray, whatever your next step is today, you may take that step with boldness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, I thank you that the hope we have in you, the world can't touch. The hope we have in you isn't determined by our situation. The hope we have in you, it's not even determined by how the crisis we're in is going to turn out. because We have the hope of salvation. We have a hope that sends us out and the hope that is the eternal hope of all the world, God. That's the greatest gift the world's ever known. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone who walked in here today, maybe a friend brought them or maybe they just said, I'm going to try out this church thing because you drew them in. God, I pray they may see that you are their only hope, Lord. Not fixing up their life, not working on everything like some New Year's resolution. Their only hope is to believe in you. For the first time today, marking that belief with a prayer, no magic words, not magic words that saves us, but helps us mark a belief in you, praying this, dear Lord, I am broken. I am a sinner in need of a savior. And today I believe in Jesus Christ, my only hope for all of eternity.